<laughs> What's up? <laughs> Paul is looking at his phone and screaming. Is it Halloween? All day. <laughs> All day Halloween. <laughs> On what point? All night. Here we are, back in the podcast studio. And welcome to a very special Halloween edition of... The Voice, the Voice of, of 5G. 5G! The spooky version. Ooh. Spooky version. Yeah. I'm here uh, feeling a bit batty. I got bat wings on my head. Uh, Paul is just the normal Paul, like he always is. Scary in himself. As, <laughs> as scary as ever. Scaring us with his knowledge. This All Hallows' Eve. Yes. And we have some fantastic news. And we're going to do them really, really fast. Because yeah. we We've also have a lot to talk about with our guests. And uh, this week's special topic... Is 5G and artificial intelligence. What about that? Can it make 5G networks smarter? Can oh. they run better podcasts? <laughs> can they can they do things with the networks that we've never done before? But but keep listening to find out but like what can AI do for well maybe not for you but for your 5G network. Yes. But first, big news. Big big big, big news. But how about we start off with some small news. The WRC. What is that? And it's starting this week. It's the World Radio Communications Conference. Yes. Oh, I got it right. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. We uh, have, we have but, a problem with acronyms here in this podcast. Uh, <laughs> we have no shortage of acronyms. But WRC, oh, what, what, what is normally called WRC 19, it's a conference that happens uh, every four years. The last one was four years ago, so that would make it uh, WRC 15, I guess. Uh, doing the maths, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can see the wheels turning. <laughs> uh, WRC19, it's an international conference, and amongst the things that it does, it works with with harmonisation of spectrum. And we know how important spectrum is. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's working on uh, what spectrum bands uh, should be used for what. Uh, and of course, one of the things, that, one of the what's that we're particularly interested in is 5G. So what bands should be used for 5G in, ac across, uh, in, uh, internationally? Uh, and uh, you know, if you think about something like your Wi-Fi devices, they run on 2.5 gigahertz and 5 gigahertz bands. It's a really good idea if it runs on the same bands in all countries, because then you can take it from country to country and it still works, and it doesn't end up interfering with someone else. Yeah. Uh, not all spectrum is is harmonised like that. There are mm -hmm. there are national variations, but this is where we kind of set the set the framework and the rules for which bands should get used for what, uh, and and uh, particularly for people that make mobile phones and devices like that, uh, for TV receivers, for instance, they, that also uses spectrum, which which needs to be ring fenced and say you can only use this for TV, you can only use this for mobile phones. <laughs> And uh, one thing that has been uh, coming up is uh, what can you use for satellite and will 5G 
interfere with that? Yeah, there, there's some different things there in terms of in terms of the concern around weather forecasting and the the fact that they they're actually using some bands. I think they're using it to listen or to to actually monitor things that are happening, not necessarily using it for communication. And they're concerned if if they get uh, relative, you know, low low levels of interference into the band could interfere with what they're trying to do. Um, and well, this I'm conference should solve that. People should well, agree on what to use where, right? People should agree about what to use where. I think uh, the 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 um, discussion on whether it's going to interfere with weather forecasting or not, that's more of a technical discussion that's probably been under investigation beforehand. It's not the sort of thing you just decide, <laughs> I don't think this is going to interfere with this. Let's get on with it. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. Um, but yes, so... WRC 19 will set the framework now for for the next four years in terms of what's, what spectrum bands uh, we can see coming into use or being harmonised across different different countries. And they're going to talk about this for the next month. It's a month. It's long a month. Uh, WRC conference. nine. Uh, the conference is it's it's regulators, it's people from the industry, uh, but people from very many different industries. So it's mm. broadcast, it's satellite, it's it's telecommunications. Uh, it's uh, conventional industries. That, that mm. Anyone that use uses radio waves. radio waves, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they also have a role when it comes to doing things around geostationary satellites and that kind of stuff. Mm. So there's, they have a lot to talk about. Uh, lots of people that need to get an agreement. Uh, so it takes a long time. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we can uh, come uh, back uh, to what they... And despite it being a month, I'm told it's fairly intense. Uh-huh. Through that time, lo- uh-huh. lots and lots of discussions go on. Well, every four years, that so brings uh, things maybe, together. maybe towards the uh, the end of the conference, we can mm. come back and say, what happened? Mm. What did they decide? Yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, that's that's super exciting. But it that's is not the super exciting news that Janina's. No, about, no, because Janina's all worked up thing. about these little people at, over at Apple. Yes. Tell us about Apple. Well, there was a leak uh, just the other week that uh, Apple's um, phone next year, all three of them uh, that they are launching during 2020, will be 5G phones. That is some cool That's some news. Cool. So if you're disappointed <coughs> that the, this year's models don't have 5G, yeah. you, be, you only have to wait for a year and then you can catch up with the rest of the world. <laughs> Yes, yes, but that's that's good news. And they're going to use Qualcomm's chip, uh, so says the leak. Let's see what happens. That was very interesting. Also, another little uh, snippet was that uh, Ericsson's 22nd live network just went live with EIR, AIR, on uh, Ireland uh, this week. Uh, it's uh, Ireland's largest operator, uh, and they, Paul, will they have three or four phones available there? Uh, well, according to their website, you've got a choice of four phones, uh, three of them from Samsung. Um, so that's the two that we've seen before, the um, Galaxy S10 and the Galaxy Note, uh, 5G versions. Uh, and something I've not seen before, which is probably... St- been around for ages, but I've just not seen it. Is something called the A90, which seems to be a, like a mid-range, mid, mid-range phone. 
Uh, and then there's a uh, Huawei phone as well uh, to kind of make them set. So you get a, f- yeah. a choice of four. That's uh, that's. Uh, that's, that shows how the device or the, the handset ecosystem is coming along. Um, most of the early launches just launch with one. Yeah. You take so. this phone or nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now you actually have a choice and also like a... Uh, uh, quite a wide range of prices as well. Yeah. So uh, I think so the, the, cheapest one, the cheapest one, you, I think you cough up £99 or £100. Which seems uh, very... Probably low. tied to a subscription. Yeah. Um, and if you want to buy the most expensive Samsung, it was like seven hundred pounds. Yeah, uh, which is still uh, comparable to prices in the US, I guess. So, Air are going live with their five G network. They've got uh, f- ten towns and cities lined up, going or, or already live, I guess, mm-hmm. if, they're, if they've announced they're, they're live. Uh, and that's Dublin, Cork, Limerick, Galway, Waterford, Carlow. Castlebar, uh, Dundalk, Drogheda, and Kilkenny, and you can uh, feel free to uh, to email us to criticise my pronunciation. Uh, and there's another ten uh, towns and cities due by the end of this year, or maybe early next year. Uh, and one of them will be Athlone, where Ericsson has its Ireland office. <laughs> so that's good. We will get. A 5G and uh, in Ireland, then that, that means our our, uh, f- our, our, colleagues. our colleagues there will be bragging yeah. about their 5G phones. Congrats! Still, Janina. Yeah, but I you did can wait he- for your Apple. I did hear the rumor that uh, we will have a, a live live 5G in Sweden sometime during the spring. Ah. Coming in fast. Yes. In, in the spring. Yes. Cool. So looking forward to that. <laughs> and there's more. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, live on Ireland. Yeah, sure. But they've been live before. But the big thing, the big, big, big thing that we've been talking about since the spring yeah. is happening tomorrow. Well, I think it's already happened. Yeah, you think. But I have read the news that it's happening tomorrow. OK. Whatever. Janina y- says it's happening tomorrow. <laughs> before, it's, I guess it's like it's... Uh, some of the users have access and the networks are out there, but... Yeah. Of course, if Janina doesn't get the editing done tonight, <laughs> it's going to be happening today. <laughs> yes, for sure. But this week, or possibly earlier, but the big thing. 5G in China. 5G in China. All three uh, Chinese operators, China Mobile, China Telecom and China Unicom, are going live with 5G this week in 50 cities across China. That's pretty, That's pretty big. big. Uh, it, it's not entirely unexpected because that's more or less what they've said before. But what is new is the time scale because we were expecting it by the end of the year and they've kind of pulled it forward. So they're going to be uh, live in 5G, maybe even today, but certainly tomorrow. They, uh, they've talked about... Uh, 100,000 base stations by the end of this year. It's not clear if all of those are up and running now, but uh, 100,000 base stations puts them uh, somewhere pretty close to where where things are in Korea at the moment, who've been live since the spring, busily adding to their, to their network. Uh, so it's a big deployment, for certainly a big deployment for first live uh, introduction. And they have 10 million people who've uh, pre-subscribed. Ooh, 10 million people. So that will, 
I think, give them the largest subscription figures also. Then you can say that 10 million people in China is a fairly small slice (laughs) of the Chinese mobile market. And 100,000 base stations is still quite a small slice of the market. Mm. But uh, on a global scale, uh, yeah, it's a big congratulations to the people in China. Yeah, the world's largest 5G network live then, possibly. Tomorrow. (laughs) Or now. Or or already now. Uh, But maybe that's enough for news, because we've got some interesting guests waiting to talk to us about artificial intelligence and machine learning. It is. Uh, And this is quite a hot topic being debated a lot. What can artificial intelligence bring to uh, the telecom sector and and the mobile networks, uh, making them smarter? What is it? What can it do? What areas can it help us with? And we have some uh, interesting people in coming into the studio now. <laughs> so let's go over let's now, go live over. or recorded, <laughs> to hear about uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence in the 5G network. Yeah, let's uh, hear it from uh, Patrick and Welcome to the Voice of 5G podcast, Rickard Köster. You are technical expert of data science and machine learning at Ericsson Research, right here in Kista, outside Stockholm, Sweden. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Good to have you. And you're going to explain to us what AI has to do with 5G. Sure. And and what AI is, even. Even that. (laughs) Yes, maybe we should start uh, at that end. Yeah, there is a lot of talk, yes, in this area at the moment. Yeah, so I think uh, if you look up AI in a dictionary, in Wikipedia, for example, it says uh, AI is intelligence exhibited by machines. Yeah, AI, of course, is artificial intelligence. It's it's the simple simple answer. What's AI? But uh, yeah, yes. So that that the the acronym AI means uh, yeah. artificial intelligence, and uh, it's the the field of study and development of creating machines that exhibit some intelligent behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the the broad area of artificial intelligence. And artificial intelligence, have we experienced it uh, in other areas before, or is it coming? So it's coming in uh, in small portions uh, in certain areas of industry uh, for certain applications. Uh, I would say today um, we have in the world what's called narrow AI. Mm-hmm. So technologies within AI that can be used to solve specific problems. Uh-huh. And uh, going back historically, AI started as a, as a research topic in the 50s. Um, there's a number of challenges within AI. How can you make machines uh, make plans, uh, reason, um, you know, speak and uh, understand natural language, of perceive course. the world, robotics, and learn. Mm. And uh, one particular area of AI called machine learning uh, has become uh, quite successful in solving specific problems. Mm-hmm. So machine learning today is, I would say, the, 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 the main technology that has 
come out of, of AI and that is practic practically useful for many kinds of problems. Mm -hmm. So if machine learning is a sort of like a subpart of AI. Yes. AI is the area. Machine learning is a part yes. of and, the and, and it's, it's a set of set of technologies. Uh, and machine learning, you could say, uh, works in the following way, uh, that um, you use a lot of data to, to learn, uh, to train an algorithm to perform some task. So there are many ways to do this. Uh, one way is so-called supervised learning. Mm -hmm. where you teach the algorithm something to perform a task. So you put the algorithm in a classroom and say... <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I, 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 thi I think that's a, that's a good uh, analogy. Uh, so it's learning with a teacher. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, you say to the algorithm, here's some input data, and you also say to the algorithm, this is what I want out mm. from this input data. So you give examples of input and the corresponding output. Yeah. And the task then is to learn how to go from this input to the desired output. Right. And this is, this is learning with the teacher, supervised yeah. learning. And, and, uh, and you need lots of data for that because it, yes. because it, it, needs, to, it needs to learn to understand as many different uh, scenarios as possible, what's, uh, wh what's a good outcome and what's a bad outcome. Yes, so, and, and of course there are different kinds of tasks, but I think one prominent example today is uh, classification or labeling of objects in images. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and, and this is something that is generally useful, of course, yeah. in man, many, many areas. Yeah, so, uh, but I've, I've, I've seen uh, like reports on uh, using that type of technique, for instance, for analyzing x-rays and looking for... Uh, cancers and that kind of thing. Yes, oh. so so it's it's a really important uh, technology in in medicine, in drug discovery, and so on. But it has a number of other applications as well. Hmm. But here the task is really to to learn uh, what are the objects or uh, you know what people are in a, in, in an image uh, and so on. And and you need to train or, or learn this uh, model. Uh, from a lot of data where you have you have images and you have labeled them beforehand and then you give this as input and output to the machine and let it learn it. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say this, th this is an area where technology has come quite far but on the other hand you need lots and lots of data in order to produce good accurate models. For example, it's, it's of course one of the key technologies in self-driving cars mm. because the self-driving car has to perceive its surrounding, classify what sort of the car sees and then use that information to take action. So you, teach, you basically teach the car what's it look like when someone steps out into the road. Exactly, and you have an enormous amount of examples of that. Uh, so, so this is learning with the teacher, then there's unsupervised learning where you basically give the machine learning algorithm lots of data and say find a good way to group this or wh what's the natural grouping, what's the natural uh, association between data, uh -huh. uh, clustering, uh, segmentation, etc, etc. So there is, there is, it's kind of looking itself for correlations and things. Mm. And, and exactly. I, I know some, understand sometimes you find correlations that nobody really expected. Yes, uh, and uh, correlations that uh, doesn't really make uh, a lot of sense. Can uh -huh. happen as well. Yes, yeah. Because it, it's not understanding causality, of course. Exactly. Understanding correlation, correlation is not uh, the same thing as yeah. causality. Yeah. Um, 
So is the when I saw uh, I saw a video of a, a robot learning by itself mm. to put together an IKEA furniture. Is that an example of the self-teaching part? Or so that's that's an <laughs> extremely good segue to the third major category ah, of, uh, <laughs> of machine learning, I would yeah. say, uh, which is called uh, reinforcement learning. Mm. Uh, this has um, drawn some attention uh, the past years because it's been used in robotics, for example, but yes. also to learn how to play uh, master level Go and yeah, so, some other uh, right. some uh, other applications. Well. Yeah, so Go is this Chinese game of sort of chess where you have to uh, be really, really clever to play it, and you have to have a number of different strategies. Yes. For each setup or outcome or whatever you want to yes. do. And then and they have now mastered that and actually beat humans. Yes, and, and um, using a combination of various techniques, uh, mm. I would say. Uh, but reinforcement learning is, you could say, a sort of trial and error learning. Mm -hmm. So mm. Um, the, the goal is to maximize some reward by the actions that the algorithm or robot or whatever it is takes. Uh, so you're not given the exact, you know, this is exactly what you should have done, but the, the algorithm or system does something and then receives, yeah, this was so good or so bad, and then mm -hmm. iteratively tries to learn to build a model, you know, w what's, what's the best set of actions in a certain uh, situation. Mm. Yeah, so I, I would say these are the three major uh, areas of, of machine learning. Uh, and Can then you repeat them again? So yes, <laughs> so <laughs> it's, uh, it's supervised them? learning. learning supervised with learning, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it's unsupervised learning, uh, learning without a teacher. <laughs> yeah. And then it's reinforcement learning. So uh, a, a sort of trial and error learning, you can say. Yeah. Exploration versus exploitation yeah. of uh, and, existing and that's, knowledge. That's, that's kind of a hybrid between those two, because it's, it's like unsupervised learning, except that, you're, that it, when, when it gets to a result, you're saying, yeah, actually, that was a good result, or a very good result, or a bad result. Yeah, I, I would say it's closer to supervised learning. In yeah. Sense. Yeah. Mm. Cool. What has this to do with our area? 5G. Uh, 5G. Uh, I would say a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the advances in, in particular, machine learning uh, has made it clear that we and others can solve specific complex problems using machine learning. Uh, and this is really where the, 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 the gain is uh, from AI and, and then machine learning today. And as 5G uh, is being rolled out, we have more and more nodes. I mean, there's a densification of nodes. Uh, there's more and more frequencies. There are different kinds of traffic patterns and so on. And I think there are certain algorithms that you can improve through the use of learning, since this is a quite, well, it's a quite complex area. And machines are pretty good at solving complex, let's say, high-dimensional problems. So for solving specific challenging problems, machine learning is, is quite good. And I guess that's why we also have another guest in the studio, Pathik Persson. Hello. <laughs> Hello. You are strategic product manager for our new, very small, but still a launch, product launch, 
Ericsson product launch, AI in RAM. Yes, uh, as absolutely. In so um, in the in the RAM product, uh, we have for what is RAM? RAM, <laughs> yeah. So Ericsson RAM. So that's uh, the base stations, the base that's fan, the, the radio. Uh, RAM is the radio access. Network. Radio access. Thank that's you. Exactly. That's the, that's the bit that yeah. uh, communicates to your telephone. Yeah, like Rickard was talking about here. I mean, this AI has been. You know, it's a research topic for quite some time, and we're now reaching the point where it's being, uh, on a broader scale, implemented even in radio access networks. Uh, and the reason is uh, that we see increasing complexity because of uh, introduction of 5G. And what's happening also is that the older technologies are still there, so we get more more nodes and more frequency bands. So this this introduces some issues that we need to resolve yeah. that we cannot really solve with uh, traditional uh, techniques to build uh, algorithms. What is the traditional techniques behind this? Is that yeah, like so making so schedules? Yeah. So for those of you who are familiar with the um, functionality that we do, we, uh, we typically uh, measure things for an individual uh, user and then we introduce a threshold. Uh, and once you pass a threshold, then you do some action. Mm -hmm. Like a handover, yeah. or so or something like that. So, so, so you're walking around. You're walking set. around. Yeah, yeah. But you're walking around town with your yeah. with your mobile phone, yeah. and you're walking down the street, and the yeah. signal from the base station is getting smaller and smaller yeah, and smaller. Exactly. And when it reaches a certain point, yeah. it says, "Okay, now I need to connect to, an, yeah. to the next base station." You can say that it's a deterministic way of of <laughs> of building algorithms. So we come up with that, uh, and that has worked uh, quite well, and we can do quite advanced. Uh, algorithms in that space. Mm. I remember, I mean, I remember the time when you c sometimes had problems like walking between cells, like the, the the phones actually like dropped the signal when walking between cells. That was probably around the year 2000 or something. Yeah, <laughs> but that does usually mm. doesn't happen anymore, right? No, of course, with our product, we have fantastic <laughs> yes. performance in that space. But of course, there is this poses a challenge. We build mobile systems, yeah. and of course, they're mobile, and we're expecting uh, users to move around in the network, and that should work seamlessly. Yes. That's our, our, our end goal. That's what yeah. we work with every day. Yes. And, and then, of course, it's, it's not just a case of it should work. We want, we want it to work well, yeah. so we want to maximize the amount exactly. of uh, throughput that people get. Yeah. You, know, you, you don't want you to that video <coughs> to stop running because you're... No. Yeah, but, but we also want to make mm -hmm. sure that the network resources that we use to send you, you that video isn't, you know, we're not using too much resources because then we can't deliver something to somebody else. Exactly. So we want to be resource efficient. Yes. So our, our customers have bought a lot of Spectrum and of course they want to utilize that as much as possible. That's their asset that they have. Mm. Um, so with that then we have built some machine learning based functions uh, that we are releasing, well the first one we released actually a full year ago. Uh -huh. mm. uh, it's based on uh, this uh, assisted based learning and actually all of our initial techniques that we're deploying are assisted based learning techniques. So we, uh, we actually have the, uh, the uh, knowledge of the, the right, we teach the algorithm and that's done autonomously within the base station. Kay. So what we've done now recently is that as 5G is being deployed, we are uh, deploying two things, uh, advanced traffic management. Uh, and when you say traffic, you don't mean buses. No, no. <laughs> exactly. No, no, no. <laughs> you, you would think that. This is about moving uh, all the data that we are transmitting uh, within the network between different frequency layers in a smart mm. way. 
So we also have functionality around evolved carrier optimization. And then now we're not talking about operator carrier, but frequencies. Uh, and they're, all, they're using these techniques. Uh, and one of the techniques that we are uh, deploying is actually to maximize 5G coverage. We can predict the coverage for each individual user. And by doing that, we can move the user to the right frequency layer. So we expect that we can uh, boost coverage by 25% uh, with this type of functionality. Mm. Uh, and this mm. is like, this and, is and an example. Just, yeah. just a question, when you say boost coverage by 25%, are we talking about coverage area or all the distance from the base station? No, it's about maximizing the use of your frequency spectrum. So yeah. if, I, if I'm a user, um, I want to select the best frequency layer to be on. Yes. That actually has 5G connectivity. Yeah. Most users don't know that, but they no, do. No, they don't know. <laughs> they want to see the 5G icon on their phone, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And how do you do that? Well, then you need to make sure that your use or your connection is on a frequency layer that supports 5G. Yeah. Mm. It's, that's the simple, uh, that's what we, the target, the target is quite simple. But to get there, we need to uh, secure that we predict coverage so that we move the users to the layers that actually have coverage. Mm. Um, 25% so sounds pretty good, Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic uh, mm -hmm. for our operators which are now deploying 4G to have this. So I think that this is a, a very good example of machine learning deployed in, in our, uh, our products. And this mm. is just the beginning because we're also uh, uh, moving into the area of traffic prediction and I'm not talking about the end user traffic. We are just monitoring how many bytes are going across the radio interface. Mm. And we can actually predict if it's an uplink heavy user doing like a upload in a, um, media streaming or something like that, or if it's a downlink heavy user. We can know that by just monitoring on very short time frames, we can predict if it's going to be what type of user it's going to be for the next maybe two seconds. And that's very valuable information because then we can make that user more, uh, take more resources in uplink or in downlink. Mm. Um, uplink and downlink means like you upload, upload data. Upload or download. Or yeah, download exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so downlink is when, is when traffic is coming to yeah. you, the user. Yeah, exactly. So if you're watching some film, it's a lot of downlink, downlink data. Yeah. Um, but and if you're uploading a video from some football match or from from a concert, that would be like uploading. Yeah. And, and and there you're talking about being able to actually support a, the, uh, more traffic through the yeah, network. Yeah, because one of the co components here is that now network complexity is increasing. It is not only the network itself, but also the terminals are becoming. I mean, they have to introduce all this technology. So they will not support all different combinations. Uh, so what we do, yeah, we have another... The terminals. The terminals, are, yeah. So your mobile phone. Oh, okay. Your mobile phone. Um, so um, the we can utilize this assisted-based learning to predict if it's going to be a huge upload. Hmm. And if we know that, we can premiere a function called uplink carry aggregation that right. aggregates carriers in the, in the uplink, so you can get higher bitrate in uplink. And carrier aggregation, just to... <laughs> because yeah. we've heard yeah, this, yeah. this a lot of times, but that is basically using uh, different parts of the spectrum together. At, at the same time. At the same yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah? Mm? So 
a bigger chunk. Yes, so it allows it, you to give a bigger yeah. exactly. It, it's a bit like like turning off your local road and driving onto the motorway. You know, you get three lanes of, to put to put your data traffic through, and mm. then when you finish, you go back onto the the local road. Yeah, yeah, you can say that. It gives you a, a boost. So, and uh, what's interesting about this is that it's happening now uh, with this assistive-based learning techniques. It it turns out that our our products are quite good at this. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you sound surprised. <laughs> no, I mean, no, but it's been everyone has been talking for this for the last five years. Oh, it's a lot of data. It's going to be so difficult. But uh, we have looked at our architecture inside the base station, yeah. and it seems quite fit to do this because mm -hmm. we're not talking. In some cases, it's really fast action, mm -hmm. but the learning does not have. To, you don't have to learn fast. Mm -hmm. It's not that important, actually, to run a You didn't mention this, actually, but we can take maybe an hour or two hours or three hours to learn. But then once you've learned, you have the model, and then you act on millisecond level on the model. So it's the acting that's the important. It's the acting, as to, and that's why it's in the base station, because mm. mm. uh, we need to act quickly. Uh, but we can learn slowly. Mm. <laughs> mm. Or as slowly as most from people do. From, from, yeah. a, from, a, from a, anyway, from an algorithm's perspective. Yeah. Mm. Yes, yes, yeah. I forgot to mention that. Uh, typically there's a, there's a training phase where you teach the, the, the model to perform the task and then mm. uh, an inference or prediction phase where you use the model to, okay. to take uh, an action. So, so the machine learns and then it applies what it learns. Yes. But it's not, it doesn't continue to learn. Yes, well, it, we, it does. Our algorithms are, and we, we, it's a changing world, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Our customers are adding and removing nodes all the time. Mm. And so, of course, and the nodes are base stations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Radio. Yeah. Radio. Radio sites. So they're adding yeah, yeah. And putting and up they're new changing hardware. Or yeah. maybe it can even be uh, something that uh, there was a construction and someone tore down a base station. Or there's yeah. a natural disaster and like suddenly masts are falling over, you know? Yeah. Or like outside our office at the moment, where they're destroying a building. <laughs> <laughs> Things happen yeah. out there. Things yes. happen, and, yeah. and then of course you have to have continuous learning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To be able to adapt. Or you basically have to send people out and do changes in the setting. I guess that was the old way of doing it. Or yes, that is the old. Or yes, or yeah. we we built, On site. We, we built an, uh, a framework around our functions to handle extreme scenarios yeah but mm. but just to come back to something you you, you said there if I understand it correctly uh, when I put this software into it into a base station the base station learns where am I and know what what frequency bands have I got where, where are users coming to and coming from you know to un to understand the pattern of traffic that, that they're responsible for that's what they're learning yeah yeah, precisely. Uh, so, so it's not it's not like a generic learning. It's learning here I am. Yes. What is what is going on around me, and how do I optimize that? So, so there's different um, applications. We yep. talked about narrow AI. That's yep. what we're yeah, working okay. on. So for for the ones that I talked about, the traffic management and the carrier mm. management, they are localized, where you actually need to learn on the local environment where you are. So if yep. it's a site here in Stockholm or in Gothenburg or somewhere else, it will have different. You cannot train it here from the head office in, in, in Shista. Mm. <laughs> we actually has to, has to be locally in the node. But then there are other algorithms which are generic mm -hmm. uh, that we can train centrally. 
and that can be always on. It, it's still machine learning. It's mm-hmm. just that the inference or the acting on the model is done locally in the base station. Mm. So both will apply. So I mean, we should not say that it will always have to be localized learning. No, 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 no. I understand. I just, I was just trying to to, to extrapolate from yeah, what yeah. you said yeah, into because <laughs> uh, that was a little bit new to me to understand that that the nodes themselves actually learn about the things that that happen in their piece of the network. Do I need new equipment to be able to do this? For a 5G operator uh, that is deploying 5G at the moment, um, he will not need any new equipment for this type of functionality. As long as he has Ericsson. As long as he has Ericsson's uh, (laughs) products, of course, uh, this will be uh, the the capability is already inside the base stations Ah. for 5G. Mm -hmm. So for these first functions, and of course, we will evolve this uh, going forward. But mm-hmm. yeah. for these first functions that we are uh, developing, we have uh, no limitations in uh, for any 5G operator. Mm. Get that brains into yeah. your uh, network straight uh, away. Uh, okay. Yeah. And, and do we have functions here that also work on 4G? Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, the technology is not uh, for 5G only. Mm. Uh, one of the biggest challenges that we see actually in the next couple of years is that there's no new spectrum f- allocated for LTE, uh, the 4G spectrum. Right. right. And it's actually going to be uh, uh, reformed or uh, used together with spectrum sharing, which I'm sure you've had a podcast about. We've talked about we spectrum sharing. About yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that actually dynamically adjusts um, uh, the frequency uh, uh, usage between NR and uh, 5G and, and LTE. But what's happening is that we're going to have higher traffic density on LTE because we're still seeing a large increase in traffic, mm. but LTE is not going to get the spectrum. Uh, that no, it more spectrum. Yeah. no more spectrum. Mm. Yeah, so we've, we've, so we've looked at the mobility report and uh, you know we're talking about four to five times the amount of traffic coming in the next four or five years. Yeah. So, mm. so of course, these machine learning techniques with the traffic management, we also have a, a similar functionality for LTE. Mm. in order mm. to even out the issue. And, and, and it has a little bit different target. <laughs> for, for 5G, it's about getting the 5G coverage. For LTE, it is actually about uh, distributing load as efficient as possible, or traffic as yeah. efficient to, to get uh, the, uh, the gains in traffic. Uh, mm. So that's what we're introducing in, in LTE space. So also in LTE, we will introduce so brains also into LTE, uh, LTE yes, area, absolutely. 4G area. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then nice. I've got a question. I'm not sure. I'm not sure who's going to answer this question, but in, when we introduced 4G, we introduced something called self-organizing networks, which is which mm-hmm. is all about automation of, yeah. of functionality. How does that differ from from what we're talking about now with machine learning and artificial intelligence? So, so maybe Great I can question. start, and then Rika, you can comment from a, from an R and D perspective. The way I see SON or self-organizing networks, this is the sort of next step. Mm. Uh, the first SON type functionality was deterministic. Mm. Uh, if you take our ANR function. Uh, adaptive neighbor relations. Uh, so each node needs to have a relation. You actually ask, uh, the mo- we ask, tell the mobile, please measure on, uh, on the next neighbor and get uh, to understand which one it is. And then we know for a fact, even in the first message. Uh, so that's a classic SON function. Yep. But if you don't know, then you do build a, like a statistical model, then it's suddenly machine learning. 
technique with assisted based learning. Yeah. Uh, so that's the difference. Neighbor, so neighbor, neighbor, neighbor relations. That's the that's the function in the base station. Yes. That, that's, that says, "Hey, I'm I'm falling off this base station. Who do I need to connect to next?" So as you, you know, as a user. Is that the smartphone talking yeah, yeah. there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as, so, as, yeah. You're, as you're as you're walking around town, your smartphone is trying mm. to decide. Well, when I run out of signal for here, uh, who am I going to talk to? Which base station should I connect to? Mm. And the base station keeps a list of of who the other base stations that are around. Uh, but it's that it's actually a very complicated area because it is because it is a very complex. We spent a lot of effort in that, and it was a very big success when LTE was launched uh, many years ago. Mm. Uh, that was one of the big new things when LTE came around. Uh, but now we're taking the next step. Mm. Uh, another area where they talk a lot about AI uh, here is the uh, within managed services. So. What's a, what? What has AI to do with with managing the network or servicing the network? <laughs> yeah, else? I can comment, or do you want to? Uh, uh, so, so managing the network. So we built, um, you know, an LTE system or 4G system with lots of configuration options. This becomes quite cumbersome, and and um, what the guys in the managed service do is that they use big data analytics. They do the, a lot of unsupervised learning to l to understand groupings, and then they can apply that when they configure the network. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it's quite smart, and it's it's. Um, th th I think it's it complements quite good the functionality that we build inside the nodes. Mm. Uh, I mean, some of the things they do are really clever. They they have like. Uh, predictive functions so that that uh, look at what's happening in the network and say i think that node over there is going to f is is going to fail tomorrow so they can calculate uh, like that there might be a problem in somewhere else yeah, but that's the thing is that with machine learning you're not calculating that's the deterministic yeah. way of doing it you you have a you have an algorithm or a machine learning algorithm that's learned to recognize the symptoms yes. of or that's what something going wrong in the network, and it flags and says, mm, "This looks like it's th th this is going to happen." Mm. In the yes, so, in the so predicting um, um, incidents or faults uh, prior to them happening, and mm. then <coughs> introducing some uh, countermeasure uh, in order to avoid that. Um, it's also artificial intelligence in a way. Yes, mm -hmm. it's it's um, you know uh, all of these functions use machine learning in, in some sense, but they also use other kind of logic uh, around it. So uh, it's a combination, I would say, of, of classical system development and, and problem solving, and where there are components of machine learning. For example, in, in predicting uh, that something, uh, an incident is about to happen, mm. for example, uh, or trying to determine what is the likely cause of mm. some incident. Mm -hmm. Mm. That too. Yeah, that's actually uh, from an operations mm. point of view. That's a, that's uh, a very important capability. If something happens, in, uh, and then how do I know what caused it? Yes. Sometimes, what you know, you can see what happened. You can see the symptom, but understanding what it is you have to fix mm. um, when you have you know thousands of nodes and lots of things happening, mm. it can be very tricky. Yes, and I, and I think that here it's really the, the combination of um, machine learning techniques, but also the knowledge of how a network works, the, the domain competence that in this case we have, mm. uh, in order to really figure out, okay, w w what, what is the 
the likely cause of mm. this, this incident. Mm. And we are getting more and more uh, dependent on our networks, right? So, I mean, this is a this is a logical next step to secure that the networks are keeping up to par, right? To have this artificial intelligence. I think it will be a natural part of any uh, in any designer who is who is will. This is one tool he can use. Mm -hmm. So, having said that, everything will not be AI. Right, I stress that quite a lot. That we can do a lot still with you know traditional problem solving. We don't have to do AI, but there will be. This is one important component mm. that makes our, our uh, you know, it makes the networks better, more stable, more robust, and and more um, efficient. Mm. And perhaps supporting the people yes. uh, working yeah. with it and making their work Absol easier. Absolutely. You men mentioned this, uh, like many, if something happens, you know, yep. we have enormous amount, a good example, we have enormous amount of alarms coming up. And it's not humanly possible to to grasp all these alarms. In a network? Yeah. No, this yeah. it's basically, yes, we have an alarm, you know, uh, one alarm you can handle, two, maybe ten. Yeah. Beyond ten alarms, it becomes too many lamps to, to look at <laughs> and you don't yeah. know what to do, right? Yeah. So then you need some sort of way to filter that. Uh, and machine learning is, is a very good tool to group and also learn. And then yeah, you to can see that these alarms are basically the same. This exactly. Yeah. They, this, this they originate in the yeah. same mm. problem yeah, or something. Exactly. This and pattern and of alarms yeah. is, is related to this type of problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then what you do is that you use the, the domain competence and then you use that to teach to uh, to do a proper prediction of the alarms that are coming. Mm. I think it's fantastic. It's actually <laughs> a product we have in in, in our uh, OSS domain. Ah. Uh, OSS uh, operational uh, support uh, systems. Uh, systems. <laughs> and that's, uh, so uh, no, in in a mobile operator, you know, they have a team of people that are that are running th that yeah. are running the network yeah. and the operational systems are the yeah. ones that they're using. You know, to be able to check is you know yeah. it, it, is everything running the way it should be, uh, and they also use their systems like if I want to introduce a new node that needs to be configured and and, and mm. set up the, the, to to do those types of things, and we have automatic automatic functions for that as well. Yes, absolutely. But 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 also in in managing a network is also the the maintenance of the physical network equipment in the world, mm. and there AI can be used uh, as uh, tools for humans. Mm -hmm. So for instance, uh, uh, inspecting the uh, the radio towers for faults and, and problems. Uh, right. Yeah, mm. the, the, the site engineers can be assisted by uh, image analysis using AI and so on. So I think there's all sorts of ways uh, AI and machine learning can really help in, in managing these networks, yeah. both from, from a large data filtering point of view, but also mm. people out in the in the field. Mm. I think that's a good uh, end point. So we will see a lot more of intelligence in the networks going forward, I assume, <laughs> and especially in the 5G area. So we might need to come back to this uh, to, to get some more flavors of, of AI going forward. Uh, but thank you so much, Rickard and uh, Patrick, for joining us and giving us uh, 5G and AI an overview and some radio access network features. Thank you. 
Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for listening and bye. bye.